Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new here, um, I'll introduce myself. I'm Charlie, lead pastor here. Man, we're really glad that you're here with us. We're in the middle of a relationship series this week. We've got a couple more weeks after this. Looking forward to being with you guys over the next few weeks talking about this. Mark kicked us off last week. It was really good. And uh, I had something happen this week. Uh, it's really kind of helped me put into focus some of the things I want to talk about today. Well, I'll back it up. This happened, started a few months ago. A few months ago, a guy goes to our church. His name's Rob Potts. He's actually here in the back. Um, has no idea. I'm going to talk about this. He, um, he, he helps run the um, Lewis and Clark, and they're, you know, big, the, the store, and Rob personally, big, you know, outdoorsy bike-type people. And he, um, he invites me via text, hey, you want to go on a bike ride sometime? And I've probably been about 12 years since I've been on any kind of bicycle at all, and, um, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, you just kind of like, you want to say, I guess you just kind of go, sure, sometime, right? It's just kind of a generic answer, right? And you just hope, yeah, and you just hope that maybe it just kind of fades into the distance. Um, It it obviously wasn't going to fade into the distance. He's obviously very persistent about it, really passionate about riding bikes, and very passionate about getting me to ride a bike with him. And um, then a few weeks ago, he, he sends me a text like, hey, you know, we have these, these e-bikes that have these little motor assists on them. <laughs> Which maybe, you know, it's good. He's thinking, you know, that probably is a, a, a fear of failure maybe that's, you know, that's, or just a lack of physical fitness or whatever that is keeping me from saying yes. You know, but I'm going to lie. It's a, bit of, it's a bit of a ding to the old pride, right, you know? And so finally, you know, last week I was like, hey, I think I, I, can, I can make some time next week. And so we, we, we did this on Wednesday. And so he pulls out the bike with, with, with the motor on it and shows me how to use it. And, I, and now I, here's the thing. You don't, you don't know this. probably can't tell. Uh, uh, this is kind of the way I am. Um, I've been working out for the last couple of months. I've lost about 20 pounds. And, and, and I feel like I'm in pretty decent physical shape. And I was like, maybe I don't need that bike, but do I say something to him? I don't want to say something to him and be that guy. He's like, all right, I don't need the bike. And I'm like, but then, then, because then it gets worse, right? So what if, what if we get out there and actually it turns out I did need the motor, right? And, and so I'm just, I'm just conflicted. And so I kind of made this decision in my head. I wasn't going to say anything because I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to try it with it, with not using it and just see how it goes. And then if, and if, and, you know, it doesn't, you know, if, and if it turns out, I need it. I have it there to turn on. So then I'll just see. I can just kind of test my own fitness level. And so we ride for about 30 minutes and then turn around and come back. And about, you know, about halfway-ish on the way back. So we've been at this 40, 45 minutes or so. He asked me, so what setting have you had the, the e-bike on? Well, I mean, to be honest, I, I haven't had it on at all. I just, you know, want to see if I could do it by myself. He's like, what? You, you know that bike's like 25 pounds heavier than a normal bike. Like, it's designed for you to use that. It's like using it at its lowest levels, like riding a normal bike. Boop. <laughs> so here I am, rejecting help when it's offered, because I have too much pride to even have a conversation about it, and then ultimately making my life significantly harder than it would have been if I had just said, I want to ride a normal bike without the motor. And so, in fact, because I was prideful, because I wouldn't talk about it, because I wouldn't ask for help, I end up making a situation that could have been relatively pleasant much, much worse on myself. And let's just be honest. This is how we live life. We live life this way. 
We live this life surrounded by help, surrounded by opportunity, and because of pride and because of unwillingness to talk about it, because of an unwillingness to kind of admit, to have questions, to not know, to, 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 because of all of this, we end up making life significantly harder than it has to be. When in fact God has designed us and designed this world to desperately need each other and to be in good relationships where, where help is actually part of the design It's not a flaw. But we live life in such a way that to say that I need help, that I need assistance, we believe that's weakness rather than just normal. And so then, we either avoid relationships altogether or the ones that we have are completely dysfunctional and unhelpful and unhealthy. And so, um, this kind of this key verse for this whole series, we've been talking about what a healthy Christian relationship looks like. Mark introduced us to this last week. Is Ephesians 5.21. Ephesians 5.21, Paul says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's kind of this intro verse that he gives, and then goes on to explain what it looks like in a number of different relationships, many of which we'll touch on over the next few weeks. But this idea, submit to one another, submit means I'm going to take something that's mine and I'm going to give it. I submit uh, a, a, a paper to a professor, I, I, I give it to them. I submit, you know, in a, in a, in a match means I give up. You, I, take, I, take, I, I give you the victory, right? So he's saying that we need to submit to one another. And the definition that we talked about last week that we're going to kind of use for this entire series, and again, I encourage you to write this down somewhere. To put, to put this in your memory, to make this kind of a defining um, idea in your life as you think about your relationships, marriages, friendships, uh, other family members, work, whatever. Submission is this. This is what it means. Submission in the context of relationship means this, that I'm going to give up what I want to give what somebody else needs. So for you, submission is you're going to give up what you want for what someone else needs. And so too many of our relationships, what they look like is like, like I'm, I'm trying to get what I want. So I'm going to be friends with you. Know, I, I, want, I want somebody to go to, to have fun with. I want somebody to love me. I want someone to like me. I want someone we have the same interests. And, and all these, all my relationships, what I'm doing is, is I'm trying to get from you something that I want. And that's what a relationship is. And so then you're doing the same. And then the relationship works, works. If, 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 if me taking from you and, and you can take from me, and, and we end up with these selfish relationships. But the thing is, they don't work. Because if I come into a relationship thinking about really only what can I get from you, and you're coming at your relationship with me to think, what can I get from him? And we both approach it in this selfish way. We're both smart enough to realize, man, I think this person's being kind of selfish in this relationship. They're just trying to take from me. And so then what happens is, well, if you're going to be selfish, then I'm going to be selfish. If you're going to be selfish, I'm going to be selfish. And then it, we just kind of, it's a race to the bottom. Not who can give the most, but who can be the most selfish. And, and, and it doesn't work. But we tolerate it because at least it's fair. At least it's fair. We're both equally miserable in this relationship. We're both getting, getting and giving the exact amount, which is nothing. And so then, you know, get up here on a Sunday, and what I say, actually what relationships are supposed to be about is for you to completely forget about what it is you want and unconditionally give to the person in the relationship what they need. And you think, I'm not, I can't make that transition. 
Because at least this is fair. What you're talking about is completely unfair. If you knew this selfish person I'm in this relationship with, if I were to do this, they would completely take advantage of me. I can't. I can't do this. I would rather be miserable, but it be equal than to take the risk and say that I'm going to give up my, my claim of rights and my claim of what I want in a relationship and just unconditionally give what this person needs. But the reality of it is this will never work. This at least has a chance. Because as we are who God calls us to be in a relationship, what happens more times than not is the person will respond to what you're giving by giving back to you the things that you need. And so what Paul is talking about here is a completely different perspective on relationships. Rather than pursuing them in a selfish way, then I'm going to pursue a relationship to say, what is it can I give in this relationship? So today we're going to be talking about just our friendships, and then over the next couple of weeks talking about different relationships within a family. We're going to be talking about friendships. And what we'll do kind of as our model over the next few weeks is kind of contrast these things. Contrast in a relationship. When I'm, when I'm in a friendship today, when I'm in a friendship, what are the things that I, that I typically want? What do I want out of a friendship? And how does that contrast, how does that sometimes find itself in opposition to what the friendship actually needs? So we're going to look at a couple of those today in the context of friendship. And the first one is this, is I think this, you know, a lot of us probably relate to this, is that what we really want in a relationship is, is what I want, I want to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. I want it to be, I just want it to be, I just want the relationship to be chill. I want us to have the same um, interests. I want us to enjoy our time together. I want it to, I, I don't want anything to kind of rock the boat. I just want it to be, I, I want relationships that are, that are easy, Right? I don't want a relationship where I'm having to work real hard at it. Like, just because there's something about you or whatever it is, how you are, you know how you are. And, you just, and there, it's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just challenging, right? I just want it, I want it to be easy. I want it to be pleasant and comfortable. You know, it's why I don't understand those house-divided um, things you put on your, on your license plate, right, where you say you're rooting for two different teams. Like, how does that even work? Right? I don't, I don't, and my house is never going to be divided. And, and be careful who you marry, girls, because he may not be welcome. Right? We're, uh, house, and, and, and it's like, that's what I want my relationships like. I want them to be easy and comfortable. And some of you may be thinking, like, man, you've said some controversial things here before. I've never left the church. But if you tell me I can't enjoy my friendships and be comfortable, then I'm out. That's what I'd be thinking if I were you right now. I was like, this is close. I've ever come to leaving a church right here. But the reality of it is that it's, it's a very shallow approach to a relationship because really what, what we need is what I need is someone who is always going to be there. Because what happens when the relationship, you know, it's, you, know you pick your friends based on you know, typically who you vibe with in some way. But what happens when something changes? Are you a friend or are you not? You know, a stereotype would be, you know, two couples and they're, they're friends, they have shared interests, they like to do the same things, and they, they, they go out a lot, apparently. Like, you know, they don't have kids, and so they just are able to go do things all the time, which is an amazing idea. So they go out and they do all these things, and then one of them has a kid. And then it's like, hey, you want to you go out? It's like, oh, we can't go out, we, we got the baby. Do you want to come over? With the crying poop machine? No thanks. We're out. I'm going to find some different friends. 
right? Suddenly it's not as easy as it used to be. You know, and that's you know, kind of a silly thing, but there's other ways. You know, if a family just starts going through a rough time, they, they, now they have a, a lot of kids or one of the kids is going through a hard time. The relationship, the marriage is going through a hard time. There's something about the family that has now made them kind of more difficult. I'm just going to step back. But Proverbs 17, 17 says this. It says that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. This is how you know you've got a friend. This is what a friend was made for. A friend was made for the times of adversity. The friend was made for the times um, uh, to, to love at all times. A friend is not born for shared mutual interests. It's not for fun times. A a friend was born, a real brother, a real close compatriot, a real friend is born for the worst times. And so then you have somebody that goes through the worst of times. The loss of a spouse, the loss of a parent, the loss of a child, something along those lines where, where real death and loss enters into a family. And then you have to decide, what kind of friend am I going to be? Because at this point, it can get really uncomfortable. It gets really uncomfortable. Like, how do, how do, I, how do, I, how do I, I don't, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, and I think I would just, I would just make things worse, and so we just kind of back off. Somebody, somebody's in the hospital. It's like, you're supposed to visit them in the hospital, but, you know, like, I probably, I probably would just, I probably would just, I would probably just be in the way. I, pro- I probably would make it worse for them. And so we talk about really, we're like, well, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. But really, you're talking about, I don't want to make me uncomfortable. And people are going through their worst times. And are there? Do do we really? And are we really the kind of friend when people are going through their worst times that we lean in the closest? And as someone who, as a pastor, this is just kind of part of the job, and it's not just my job, it's, it's my job because it's, my, my, it's a passion of mine to kind of to do this. I've, I've walked through lots of situations with a lot of people. You've seen a lot of different kind of hurt and pain. And I'm telling you, as someone who has a significant amount of experience in this area, I still tell you that one of the hardest walks that you ever make is from the hospital parking lot to the, to the, to, to the room like you just, you're in the parking lot, just kind of, I don't know what's going to, I don't know what's, I, you, you start to feel anxious, and then, and then, then you're at the hospital door, right, and it's cracked, and you knock, and I don't want to wake anybody up, right, is this just me, am I only telling the story to me, like you're sitting there at the hospital door, and, it, and you're like, if I knock, I'm going to wake somebody up, and that's going to be there, maybe I should just leave, and like, is there a nurse that could tell me, and, like, and you just think, I'm only going to, it's just easier to knock. Because then even once I get in there, what am I going to say? I don't have the right things to say. I don't, I don't know what to do. And, 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 so we, and so we pull back. And the reality of it is, um, I'm going to bust on seminary here for a little bit. Seminary was you know, it was a 90-hour degree. It was a lot of thousands and thousands of dollars of just wasting my time, right? But there were like, there were, there were like a couple things that were, like really, that were, really, good, that were really good about it. And, and one thing that almost made it worth the entire you know, countless number of hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars or whatever is, is this guy said to me, um, he's talking to the class in these situations, he's like, here's what you arrogant little punks think you, you're supposed to do. 
You're supposed to go in these people when they're having a rough time and you're supposed to just drop your wisdom on them. Like somehow they want you to come in there and pontificate with your bad interpretations of verses in Romans. That that's what they want. They want you to come in there and give them God's perspective. That's not what they want. Why don't you just go in there and why don't you just say nothing? Because they don't want your words of wisdom. They want your presence. And so stop trying to go and give people perspective and just give them a little bit of you. It's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten in my life. And so sometimes we, we, we feel like that I can't enter a situation where a friend of mine or a family member or somebody is going through some really rough time, some of the worst tragedies that people can go through, they're going through it. And because I feel like I don't know what to say and, and, and that I can't go, that it will be uncomfortable. But they don't need you to say anything. They just need your physical, spiritual, and emotional presence with them. And not just in those moments too, I just give you this bit of encouragement. One month, six months, a year later, significant anniversaries. You you lose uh, someone close in your family, their next birthday, the next Christmas, the next Thanksgiving. All of these things are significant events to them. And you're thinking of them on that day and you you begin to think something like, I don't don't, want to say anything to them about it. I was thinking about the, the, their dad today, but I don't want to say anything about it because I don't want to remind them of their loss. Well, they're already living in it every day. You don't have to remind them. What matters to them is that someone who cares about them is still thinking about the thing that they went through. And you're not going to make things uncomfortable. They're already a little bit uncomfortable. The fact that someone is uncomfortable with them, with them, that's what friendships need. Someone who knows, someone who cares, someone is there, someone who still remembers. But so too often, our desire to to be comfortable pulls us out of relationships when they go through uh, times of chaos, much less times of tragedy. But a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. What I want is to be comfortable. But what we need, what the friendship needs, is someone who is always there. So that's one thing. That's one thing that we want in a relationship. The second thing that I think that a lot of us, what we really want in a relationship is what I want, is that what I want is I want people to like me. That's what I want. I want people to like me. I want to be in a relationship and you think, I like him. I like him. He's funny. He's funny. He's kind of smart and he's funny. And I like being around him. I have this, it, 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 it borderlines on obsessive, I think. I just, I just really want people to like me. And then, um, maybe I, again, maybe I'm just talking to myself here. Will you just indulge me while I have a sermon to myself, right? Um, which makes it difficult for the job sometimes, right? I mean, there's things you, you should say if you want people to like you, and there's probably some things you shouldn't say in public, in front of a whole lot of people. Hey, you're a sinner, you know, right? You're like a sinner and you're separated from God and you're damaging your relationship with Him and you and everybody. You're your own worst enemy. You should stop all those things you're doing. I don't know, I like Him. Why don't you go back to the, to the, to the riding around the heavy bike story? That was kind of funny. When you were an idiot, that was funny. Now you're telling me I'm an idiot. That ain't funny. But, and so, but... If I, if I walk around 
with this idea that, that, I, that I want you to like me, then what am I going to do? Well, there's going to be certain things that I'm going to hide from you, right? I've got to hide certain things from you. And there's certain things about you that I'm going to pretend that I don't see. Because I'm not going to, I'm not going to, because if I, if, if I point this out to you, hey, do you know that you sometimes, uh, now you might not, you may not like me if I say something to you that might make you uncomfortable. And so when we have this kind of an attitude and relationship, it keeps, it keeps a relationship very immature. And so what I want and what most of us want in relationships is I want to be liked. But what they need, what the person you're in the relationship needs, what they need, they need someone to help them. They need help. But sometimes my willingness to help you is stifled by the fact that I think that if I say something that you'll stop liking me. And so um, Proverbs, another proverb here, Proverbs 27, 27, 6 says this. It says that wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And so here you are, I'm out of your own business, and, and a friend comes and hurts you in some way, wounds you. The idea there, honestly, would probably be more like, 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 a, like a doctor. Like a doctor comes in. I mean, when, when, when a doctor, when a surgeon comes at you, is a, is a surgeon helping you or hurting you? Well, first, it hurts, right? First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take this knife. I'm going to cut you. But the idea is that the wound that a friend will give you actually will make you better. But well, you know what's not making you better? The kisses of, a, of an enemy. And so you're in a situation where you're doing something really stupid. And you've got two kinds of people in your life. One to be like, dude, stop. And the other one be like, <laughs> right? Two different response. One is a friend. One is an enemy. Are we friends? Are, are, are we, do, am I a friend? And do I have friends? Do I have people in my life that will risk, at least for a brief, brief moment, whether or not I like them in order to give me the help that I need? I, I talked to, um, you know, people who are leading small groups here, and, you know, there's this, there's this transition, right? Most small groups, so I have a meal first, and then you have the, like, the discussion time, and I'm telling you, I'm the worst at this, and I try to help other people with it, but I don't know how to help you when I'm the worst at it, right? It, it, it's like that moment where you got everybody together, everybody's having a good time. You're sitting around, you're eating together, and you're talking about whatever show you're watching on Netflix, and you're talking about the latest sports disappointments that I've experienced, right, or whatever, right? And so, and so, and so this is what we're doing. We're doing what we're, 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 we're having a good time. And then you kind of look at your watch like, well, you've been doing this for a while. It's probably, probably now time to do the lesson. You think, oh, man. Charlie Jesus guy is going to ruin the whole good time. Be like, okay, guys, now it's time for us to do the study. And you're like, man, I like, don't want to be that guy. Like, maybe You think maybe I just wait, wait like two minutes. Maybe somebody else will say, hey, do you think it's time? It's, oh, it's a great idea. Let's go do it. And then no one ever does. And you're like, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the killjoy, right? All the time. Like, I'm got it set in the Bible now. Right? And you just, it just, it just, it, ugh.
wounds from a friend. (sighs) But here's the thing. It's not just in a small group. It's in relationships too, these individual relationships. Like you're doing something that I know that you shouldn't be doing and you shouldn't be doing it. And I I was like, man, I need need to tell him. I need to tell him, man, the way you're treating your wife, man, that's not cool. You got to stop that. You're hurting yourself and and her. You should you should stop. You should stop that. Like, oh, well, he's gonna be mad at me. And not only that, if I tell him this thing that he should stop, you know what he's going to do back? Is he's he knows me well enough to know he's gonna tell me I need to stop doing this thing. And the last thing I really want in my life right now is for somebody to tell me about this. I know it's true, but I don't want to hear out loud that this is true. So I'm not so so then okay so I'm not going to say to him what he should do so then I know he won't say back to me this thing that I shouldn't do and so then what we have is this kind of uh, mutual mediocre agreement we mutually agree to not say to each other the thing that we need to hear to make us better thereby kind of assuring that we'll both stay mediocre. When in, when in fact, if one of you were to say, you know what, man, I don't think it's great the way we talk to our wives. I think we should do better at that. Yeah, man, you're right. What, do, what should we do? Well, why don't we just kind of make a commitment to kind of help each other when we do This is why I was really impressed. I was, re- I was really impressed with this. This happened last month. We had this study on Wednesday nights for guys where we just kind of spent some time talking about how a lot of guys, most guys, all guys really, struggle with some sort of, you know, sexual purity, especially with watching, looking at inappropriate things online and, you know, you think, hey, we're going to have a study. All the guys who might struggle with this, you should totally come on. You're like, I don't think I'm going to make it to that, right? (laughs) Fifty guys from our church were there which is amazing. It's an amazing to say that a group of guys that large would be willing to say, you know what, I just, I need a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of help in this area. And then we can say, hey, I, I, I struggle, hey, I do too. And let's not tell each other it's okay. Let's help each other get better. Let's not pretend it doesn't exist. Let's not tell each other it's fine. But in fact, let's address the problem and then help each other get better. And these are what our relationships are supposed to look like. The best relationships, the best friendships, the longest term relationships I've ever had are with the people in my life who will ask me tough questions. My best friend that I've ever had, he's been my best friend for almost 25 years now. And um, when we would get together for lunch, we had this agreement, five minutes, we talked sports. And then after five minutes, we can't talk sports and we can only talk about these things. And we had this list of things that either one of us were struggling with. We asked each other tough questions. We helped. We encouraged each other. That's a friendship. We were making each other better. But a fear of making things uncomfortable, a thing for making things not fun, a, thing, a, a fear of, of someone not liking me keeps our relationships mediocre and ultimately is keeping your life mediocre. Because the first thing that honestly that we just need to make sure that we get over is sometimes we just get this into our head that you don't really, I don't really need help. I, I don't really need help. I'm fine. 
And like an idiot pedaling a 25-pound heavier bicycle, you're making your life significantly harder because you're believing and living something that in fact isn't true. Because imagine this, if you will, Genesis chapter 2, Adam, the very first person created, no sin in his life at this point, a perfect relationship with God, and God looks at him and says, man, it is not good that he's by himself. Perfect relationship with God. And by design, God knew that he was meant to be in relationship. And so there's nothing about you and your design that makes you the one unique person who is able to, to manage life on your own. It is not a flaw, it is not a weakness for you to need other people. It is in fact part of the initial design that God made in you, about you, about all of us from the very beginning. You are by design in need of other people around you. So first we've got to get over that. And then second, we've got to be willing to make a commitment to say... The relationships that I do have, I'm willing to risk comfort and the people-pleasing in order to have real friendship. So if you find yourself here today and you find you honestly is like, man, actually I feel like I'm a little bit alone. I don't know if I have anybody. Allow me to plug for you our small groups. I know a lot of people who would love to be a friend for you. And I know where you can find them. But for most of us, we have people in our life. We just need to pray that those relationships will go to another place. That we will seek and receive the help that is offered and is surrounding us. So as we move into our response time, obviously we have all the normal ways that we respond. Prayer team has been back there. They've been praying for you this whole time. If you have a need, a burden, or just need a little bit of support, they would love to pray specifically with you. Um, there's prayer candles and communion. There's a plate at the cross. There's some of our missionary cards that are back there. You can pray for some of those awesome people. Um, we're going to be worshiping. We have an opportunity to give. Lots of ways to spiritually respond. But let's just spend some time just praying for each other. That we would get over the pride of feeling like we have to do it ourselves. And, and, and that, that we would have the courage to take our relationships to another level. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Thank you for this time. And, and God, I just know there's people all, all around here. There are the people that are going through some tough times who feel like their friends have taken a step back, God. And I pray that you would give their friends the, the, the courage to step in. And God, then there are also those who are, we're standing on the outside not being who you have called us to be, not truly being a friend. And God, I pray that you would give us the courage to step in. And God, then a lot of us, we're both of those things. We need more than what we're receiving. And God, we're not giving what we need to be giving. And so God, I pray that for all of our relationships, we really would be living out mutual submission where everybody is laying down their rights to, um, to give each other what they need. And God, we thank you for your son Jesus who modeled that so perfectly, who gave his life to give us what we need, which was forgiveness and a relationship with you. And God, we thank you for his sacrifice. 
and for the life that He gives that makes all this possible. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.